Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All righty. Um, either one of you guys want to open the show today? I'm just kind of tired. You are listening for the Gospel for Life. <laughs> um, with us today is, is Ben Blakey. Um, he's filling in for Jonathan Van Hoogen. Um, if you would just continue to l- remember him in prayer, he's just beginning some treatment for colon cancer, and so he's undergoing radiation and chemo um, with a surgery um, in the in the future. So just continue to um, pray for him and his family, and we would truly appreciate that. But it's good to have you here, Ben. It's great to be with you. Sorry for the circumstances, and definitely we'll be praying for, for Jonathan and for his church. And that was I, really good. I, I guess I'm I'm actually yes. continued to lead. Yes. I thought he was no, just was... taking a thirty second <laughs> no. break. Apparently, he you did just, a good job. You're hired. Apparently, he's just checking out. <laughs> he's just dead weight. Can I get some donuts in here, please? <laughs> oh my <laughs> So the question before us today, which is really tying back to where we were yesterday, is this whole idea of sanctification. And just for review, um, Phil, if you would just give a, a brief definition of sanctifications for our listeners, that might help. Sure. Uh, to, to be sanctified is to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Uh, as the, as the, the Bible says that we may, may grow up into him who is the head uh, and, and become like him. Um, and that is something that God's Holy Spirit does in us, in those who are saved and who belong to him. But it requires our effort, and, and, uh, and I, I really appreciated what you said, Russ, in that show yesterday, that Yes, it requires our effort, but it's an effort motivated by love that that God has placed in our hearts a love a love for Him and a love for Christ and a love for His kingdom that uh, that we want to be conformed to His likeness. So that was just a beautiful review of where we were yesterday. Our role in sanctification, God's role, how those work together. But now the question is is changing slightly here, and it says, what responsibility do we have towards other church members in their sanctification? So I think at the underneath of this is are we islands, right? Or is there some sort of connectedness to this process of sanctification in God's people um, within within the the body? Yeah, and somebody has counted. I'm, I'm sure, and I'll bet there's one of you guys that may may even know um, how many one another verses there are in the New Testament. Uh, over and over and over again, build one another up, encourage one another. Um, love one another. Uh, that we there's a one anotherness about this Christian thing. Uh, that that we have a, a commitment and a responsibility of love to one another, uh, and we are to uh, lovingly, uh, in the bond of Christ, encourage one another in our sanctification, in our growth, in Christ likeness. I'm going to just give one example of that because it's in an arena that because we don't shy away from anything here, we're going to slightly <laughs> dip our toes into the worship wars. Um, 
But if you have a Bible and turn to Colossians 3, verse 16. So he's given instructions for the church here. And he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Have you ever stopped to think that your singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is a means by which we teach and admonish one another? Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to look at worship about us. Mm -hmm. I like the song. I like to sing it. I'm singing it for me. Um, The New Testament actually says, no, you're actually singing that song for the person in front of you, beside you, behind you, that you're singing those words to, to teach and admonish them. I think yeah. we, I think this is our whole approach on how we approach church anyway, especially in the West. Um, our, our, our fundamental assumption that we don't even think the question is that I come to church for me. That's, you know, when Pastor Anthony Savaggio spoke at the Reformation Conference this last year, he had this great message. You can find it on the website, reformationvoices.com, where he talked about us being in third place. God being in first place, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Our neighbor being in second place, love the neighbor yourself, and us being in third place. And the problem is, is we invert that, and so that we think that coming to church is merely for my own benefit. That's totally the wrong view of yeah. coming to church. Now, we do benefit. There's no doubt about it when we come to church. But in Hebrews 10, the author says that, uh, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the main motivation that the author is holding out here for you not neglecting coming together is for the sake of others before it's even for the sake of yourself. Yeah, yeah, amen. And I want to get back to uh, uh, what Russ was saying about you know singing for one another. Were you inviting me to sing? Because I, I could I bust was. out, I was. I could really bust out right yes. now in, yep. so, in song, but I'll restrain myself. Uh, <clears throat> how, about, how about Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way"? Can you sing that song? <laughs> well, seriously, because that would fit the topic. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's. let's I'm, I'm going to bring us back to a serious point here. All music that has lyrics teaches something, and people are learning every time you turn on the radio to the top forty station. You're learning something from those songs, they're sending messages into your head. Um, but one of the ways we do, we learn uh, the faith and, our, and our grow in our sanctification is by singing to one another in worship solid songs of praise that teach biblical truth. That, that's one of the ways, one of the important ways that we learn that. But I just, I did, did want to get back and clarify that you didn't want me personally to sing, so I will restrain myself. I, I just know, and maybe these guys have experienced the same thing, where there's sometimes I'm sitting up um, either have just getting ready to preach or I've just preached, and we're singing a song, and the congregation is ministering to me at yes. that moment Amen. Um, that I'm actually not able to sing. Um, and they, in effect, are not only singing for me, um, they're ministering to me through what they're expressing. Um, and I understand Colossians 3 at that point. Yeah. yeah, Amen. And how many times do we experience that in the pew? I'm hoping that people are experiencing that in the pew. And hopefully conscious of what it might be doing for others. Because mm-hmm. as Josh said, we're, we can be very self-centered and 
think one observation that we forget a lot is what is the most common word in the New Testament to describe believers? Brothers. I mean, the, the word that's used the most to describe Christians in the New Testament is one that has connotation of family and togetherness and that we are now connected to other people. And that leads us to the, the one another's and all the ways that the New Testament instructs us to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one that I often think of is Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day. You know, or that even, you know, if the last time you encouraged somebody in their faith was, you know, two days ago, you're you're not obeying God. (laughs) And I think even especially in today's day and age where we've got – it's easier to communicate with people than it's ever been before. We should take it. God is telling me if I don't do something today to encourage one of my brothers and sisters, I'm not not obeying my father. Right. Right. I, so I think we can fundamentally say, yes, we do believe there is a responsibility that we have towards the sanctification of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're starting to create a list. Are there other ways that we can tangibly give to our listeners of these are ways? So exhorting one another, encouraging one another each day, um, singing so that we're thinking beyond our own um, our own selves. What What are some other things from Scripture that – we can use what are means that we can use to help with the sanctification of our right. brothers and sisters I would, I would in Christ. Say, I would say pray for one another, and, and there are specific ways that Paul prayed for the church. If you look at the end of Ephesians 1, Paul prayed that that the Father would grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, um, enlightening the eyes of your heart to know the hope to which he has called you. And he he just goes on and on about how he's praying for the church in Ephesus. He does the same thing in the book of Philippians oh. at, the, at, at near the end of chapter 1 or in the middle of chapter 1. He does the same thing in Colossians. And so um, go, to the, go to the epistles of Paul would be my suggestion and take these prayers that Paul is praying for the church and pray those prayers for, for your fellow yeah. brothers and sisters. I don't want to slow down you guys giving a list, but D.A. Carson has a great book on look, going through the prayers of Paul – um, for the people of God, so I'd recommend. The What's book. it called? I don't know, but it's a book. <laughs> but it's D. A. That Carson. was worthless. <laughs> uh, just, just See, I just, I just finished preaching through Colossians one, Paul's prayer for the Colossians. I wish you would have told me about that book before. So sorry. I, I, so sorry. Did, did <laughs> told you about the name of the book that I don't know. Just buy every book by D. A. Carson. Yeah, and you, and you can't go wrong. Well, let me let me take us into another, perhaps another area of where we help one another in our sanctification and. This one perhaps a little surprising, but I'm in Matthew chapter 7, which is part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. These are the words of Jesus. He said, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, then... You will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I just want to back up a minute. That's a very familiar teaching of Jesus. He's, he's challenging us to put away all hypocrisy. That when I see a speck in your eye, I've got a log in my own. And, uh, and, and frankly, I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm really guessing that when Jesus first taught this, it got a chuckle out of his audience. 
when he said, you're looking for specks in your brother's eye, brother, you got a log in your own. Uh, and that gets a chuckle of recognition out of us. Yes, that's true. But let me look at the assumption behind this, that we are to be, what is that speck? He's talking about sin in our lives. And Jesus seems to be making the assumption that we are to help one another deal with sin. We are to help one another. And I think another. that's how you, we we should read the end of the of of Jude. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And when I help you to deal with sin in your life, when I when I see sin in your life, I have a responsibility to help you deal with that. But my first response, but before I do before I do that, oh Lord, I got a log in my own. I am a sinner. Give me grace. Give me humility. I need to help my brother with something. Give me grace and humility to do it in a way that he'll receive and that honors you. That doesn't come down from on high as if I'm above him, uh, but comes alongside as a brother dealing with sin myself. And I'm going to help you get that speck out of your eye. I think Jesus is making that assumption that we're that we're doing that with one another. Well, he says, first, take it out. And then you can clear, see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't yeah. say, just stop. Right. Stop yeah. this whole process. Right. There, there's the two ideas that, one, you're failing. You're not fulfilling your responsibility towards your brothers if you're not pursuing your own sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then if it's just, well, hey, it's just me and Jesus and I'm trying to get – you're also missing missing the boat. Yeah. Are we really going to get through this whole episode without addressing you know some of the – one another's like greet one another with a holy kiss. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> but way it, we, should. we should as as far as affection. I, I do want to just insert very quickly for our older listeners out there. Mentoring is a huge one another. Yes, that the older members that have wisdom that have walked with God, you you need to be reaching out to the younger people in the church. They need you. You you're yep. not you don't retire from the faith. You are those that have something invaluable to give to those younger people. And before we close this episode of The Gospel of Our Life, I just want to remind you that the book that I was trying to think of was The Spiritual Reformation by D.A. Carson, Praying with Paul. Thanks for listening. 